Hi pod friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If you're joining us here today for the very first time, well, you're very welcome. You've joined a huge community of people who have made the decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of their daily lives. And if you are here for the first time, why not click on that subscribe button so you don't miss another single episode and hang around at the end because I'll update you on a few ways that you can connect with this ministry. But having said that, let's drop straight in to the main study, picking up at Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. And I'll see you at the end. Okay friends, here we go. We're picking up at Matthew 6 verse 33 and we're closing off this chapter 6 and I've entitled today's talk Responding to Anxiety. So we're sort of reaching a conclusion of this section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has just given us some advice on how to address the problem of anxiety. And that advice is given to us in these last two closing verses, and it begins in verse 33, where he actually says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So what he's telling here is we need to note is that if we seek first the kingdom of God, then all of these emotional blessings, the things he's been talking about throughout this previous section, will in fact be available to us. The fact that we have just learnt that God knows not only what we need but what is best for us and that he will plan to offer it to us. So what exactly are those things? Well he's been talking about taking care of us but the things in the context of this passage is clearly the things that he's just mentioned like the basics, what we eat day by day, the clothes we put on our back. Now remember a few verses back in verse 31, he said, Therefore do not worry, saying that we should not worry about what we eat, what we drink and what to wear. So here he's now saying that instead of doing that, the first thing to do in our lives is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things that he's just spelled out for us, as far as the basic things like food and drink, what to wear, they're all going to be provided for us. But beyond that, the point he's making is that we need to live a life of faith, a life trusting in the Lord. And we do that by continually seeking his will. And also, he told us that by doing that, we are in fact storing up treasure in heaven rather than trying to build up stuff on earth that is only going to pass away anyway. Now, just as a side note, the word translated seek in this verse is the same word used of as a hunter who is seeking out his prey. In other words, our minds must be entirely focused on God and his will. Just as the hunter makes the prey the centre of his attention, so we should also make the seeking of God's kingdom the centre of our attention. We must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, throughout the book of Matthew, you may have noticed that Matthew, quoting Jesus who is seen to frequently use the phrase kingdom of heaven. 
But this is one of a few places where he talks about the kingdom of God. So is there a difference? Some try to make a clear distinction between the two and others have wrestled with the question and have come to the conclusion based on this and other passages that in fact Jesus is referring to the same thing. It's just two ways of talking about the same thing. But in my estimation, along with many others, I have concluded that this is a reference to the future kingdom that he's going to establish on earth when he returns, sometimes also referred to as the messianic kingdom. You see, the Old Testament promised that the Messiah, when he came, which of course is Jesus, would come and actually establish a kingdom on earth. In fact, the book of Revelation lays that out for us in detail and it ends by saying that Jesus is going to come back and reign on the earth for a thousand years. And I think that it is that kingdom of God that is mentioned here. It's a reference to the rule and reign of Christ on earth when he returns. This is a particular phrase that's only used a few times in the book of Matthew and the book of the Gospel of Luke and on a couple of other occasions in New Testament passages. If we seek the kingdom of God in this life as a believer, then this is suggesting that we're seeking that which we will be rewarded with in that kingdom in the future. Now, I believe the Bible teaches about the kingdom of God and about the kingdom of heaven, And the kingdom of heaven is something else. By accepting Christ and being born again, we gain the kingdom of heaven. And this happens immediately. After you've trusted in Christ and you're saved from your sin, you are born again into the family of God. And at that point you are placed, you have assured your citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And that is secured. It can't be taken away from you. We are told to seek here the kingdom of God, meaning that while on earth we should be focused on that future time beyond the rapture when we will be called to rule and reign with Christ. So what you do now, today, is going to determine what's going to happen to you in that future kingdom. That's the idea behind this whole message, I believe, and throughout this whole sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. I pointed out at the beginning and all the way through that Jesus is actually framing everything within a context and that was when he told us that unless our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, we shall in no way enter the kingdom. It's the whole subject of his message. It's about understanding that there is such a thing as true righteousness and false righteousness and it is a true righteousness before God that gains us access to the kingdom. He talked about the Pharisees and compared and contrasted continually throughout this whole passage so far and showed their external righteousness and how it was just a righteousness of ritual and religion. But then he taught us that the real righteousness, the righteousness that he was teaching about, was in fact an internal righteousness, a righteousness that is gifted to us by the expression of our faith in God and in Christ, and thereafter by walking by faith in that. It's about trusting him for this life and the life to come, which is why he's saying in this verse, If the priority of your life is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that means that God is by nature going to reward you some way later. There's a very famous story about our late Queen Elizabeth II. It was said that she once asked a rather successful business manager if he would act as an ambassador for her 
in a foreign country. He initially declined, saying it would cause a severe interruption to his business interests in the UK and it might even cause him some serious financial loss. She is believed to have replied, if you look after my business abroad, I will look after your business at home. Well, he felt he couldn't turn down an offer like that and he accepted her offer and he went abroad and served for several years. And when he came back to the UK, the story grows that although he never knew what exactly she did, if anything at all, but indeed his business had thrived and grown during his time of service abroad. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. One more verse. Notice I didn't say one more point because the last verse of this chapter is one that just sums it all up in one statement and it says it all and it says therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble as some might say don't compound any problems you think you're having today by worrying about tomorrow the real point is don't worry about tomorrow's trouble just worry about the lord and fulfilling his will Just trust him and leave the rest to him. Trust the Lord. And in the process of doing that, pray like he taught us to pray. Remember, he's just told us how to do this a few verses ago. This is how you should pray, he said. Our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say, give us tomorrow's bread today because... He instructs us to just ask God for what we need today, to give us what is sufficient for today and just to trust him and wait until tomorrow comes. Then you can ask God to deal with that which needs dealt with that day. But let God solve all your problems today and just dwell in that and trust in that because you know what? He'll be there again for you tomorrow to do the same thing. You know, if a clock realised it had to tick, talk, Twice a second, that's 120 ticks and tocks per minute, 7,200 each hour, 172,800 a day I worked out, 1,200,209 tick tocks per week. If the clock suddenly realised that it was going to need to tick and tock 63 million times during the next year, then it would probably have a heart attack and stop working. But the clock, it just keeps ticking one tick and one talk at a time. And it's the same for you and me, friends. Just take it one tick, one talk at a time. One tick today and don't worry about the talk tomorrow. It's coming soon and you will be fine. It's kind of like someone asking you, are you hungry? And you answered by saying, well, I'm fa- I've just had breakfast this second, but I better eat again immediately in case there's no lunch later. If you were to do that, people would think you're nuts. It's going to be time for you to eat again when you're hungry again. And that's what Jesus is kind of saying here. You have sufficient for what you need for today and for this moment. Okay, we're moving into the climax of this and I'd like to just bring it together by giving you seven reasons why I believe this passage teaches why worrying is a waste of time. To sum this all up, I just want to make a couple of points out of that as well. So what Jesus is teaching is he's saying, don't worry about your material needs, because if you trust God 
and seek his righteousness, he will supply your physical, material needs day by day. Now, anxiety is when someone insists on storing up potential, imagined problems, things they think about and overthink about in the future, and they insist on dragging them back into the present moment. From a spiritual point of view, it's actually a subtle form of worshipping mammon, because usually that which we worry about is because we worry about some sort of potential loss in the future. Now, it might begin as a reasonable, prudent forethought about something you might need to address and take account of, but it often can become something that becomes considering these imagined potential worries and catastrophic outcome, catastrophizing, someone call it. And it's usually related to potential things that will affect money or security or things as a thing in itself. It often ends with making the future potential loss a sort of idol, a god, which quickly becomes a tyrannical god in your life and in your emotional spirit. What I want to do is sum this all up for you by showing you how some other clever people have approached this passage and have concluded that there are seven reasons in this passage that teach you why you should not worry. And I'd like just to list them for you and quickly summarise what they are. So number one is it teaches us worry is needless. If God gave us life, we can trust him to give us the very things necessary to support us in our life. Secondly, worry is senseless. God feeds the birds. The birds, they have to work hard, but they don't worry. Why should we worry? Thirdly, it teaches that worry is useless. Physical life can never be manipulated. Jesus has told us you cannot add one inch to your height by worrying about it. It also teaches us that worry is faithless. It turns the things you worry about into idols. Fifth, it says that worry is godless. It turns the stuff you're worrying about, if you keep dwelling on it and dragging it into the present, it turns it into a sort of false god, a tyrannical god that brings you down. It teaches us that worry will deny our family tie to our Father God. The way to defeat that is to seek the kingdom of God, as he said here, and trust in God as Father. And seven, very simply, worryingly is impractical. It says worrying can be defeated when we acknowledge and just choose the fact that we're going to trust God and live one day at a time. Okay, I'd like to give you a couple of biblical strategies to counter anxiety as a way of drawing this all together. So let me close by making three short, quick, simple suggestions on how to deal with anxiety. Firstly, recognise that what we worry about usually never happens. There was a guy who once said to me, I worry and I know it works. How do you know it works, I asked him, because what I worry about doesn't ever happen. That would be funny if it wasn't tragic. There was another fellow I knew of who decided he was a bit of a hypochondriac and he worried about everything and he got it into his head that he might die of cancer one day, so he decided he'd make some changes to his life. He heard that milk was bad, so he stopped drinking milk. He was told that fruits were sprayed with insecticides and that they could produce cancer, so he pretty much stopped eating fruit. He then heard someone say that pork could cause cancer, so he didn't eat pork anymore. 
I joke you not, he died at the age of 51 in a car accident when he was driving 30 miles per hour over the speed limit. Everybody knew he always drove like a maniac, but he never once worried about that. If you worry, if you struggle with anxiety, I'd like to make another suggestion, and this is it, another strategy. Write them down. Write down at the end of every day, just for a week or maybe a month at most, all the things that you've worried about during that previous period of time, and then review them at the end and see how many of them actually came to pass. Most of the things we worry about don't ever even happen. It literally is a complete waste of time. The expression worried sick is more than a figure of speech, friends. There is real evidence that anxiety is detrimental to health in all sorts and lots of ways. Research has demonstrated that even mild anxiety can affect one's eyesight. Research recently showed that a Through an examination of 500 patients, it was confirmed that more than one-third of the visual problems that were being experienced were exacerbated by what was described as emotional tension. Study by another two universities indicated that that certain cases of glaucoma and even one particular type of blindness can be caused by untreated clinical anxiety and tests conducted at Cornell University Medical School indicates that the brain's ability to function is seriously hampered if one is overburdened with stress or anxiety. The ability to concentrate is reduced, so is memory and cognitive ability. Even creative thinking is effective, and the ability to learn are all these things are adversely affected by stress. A study of 5,000 students across 21 different Western, European and American colleges confirmed that people who chronically worried get significantly lower grades than people who just don't worry and stress about these things. Jesus says all the time that if you're worrying about these sorts of things, that is time when you're not trusting the Lord. But also, In addition to that, he's pointing to the fact here, you're also not developing that inner righteousness that you're meant to develop. And by doing so, you're not honouring the Lord. You're not growing spiritually and you're not honouring the Lord with your life. You're choosing to live as if God doesn't even exist. And if nothing else, that's the biggest reason not to worry. I have one more point to make. One more point to make. I think it's final and it's simple. And I hope it helps. We are commanded just to trust the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting, as some do, that means that you give up everything and you simply do nothing. You stop working and you just say, I'm going to trust the Lord now. That's not the point. It's not about just stopping. It's about stopping and then replacing the time you spent worrying, seeking the thing that God said to do by spending it in time in prayer or to seek the Lord and his righteousness by developing your inner life or by serving others in the way that we're meant to. If you switch putting the emphasis on the external part of your life and the things you're worrying about and focus it on the internal part of your life, then you'll see change. By focusing and having an emphasis on the internal aspects of your life and worrying about them, in a sense you're no different than the Pharisees. The whole point Jesus is making is that we should try and develop this inner life. And the first 
big step forward towards gaining and growing in spiritual maturity and inner righteousness is to stop worrying about things. Stop worrying about tomorrow. And he ends by saying, if you're spending today worrying about tomorrow, then you're going to waste tomorrow as well because then you're going to be worrying about the next day. Trusting the Lord for today and tomorrow and every day is the only answer. When I was a kid, we used to go on holiday to a caravan park on the seaside where most of the people on it owned these static mobile homes. And we all grew up to knew each other and we all went back every summer and we had 8, 10, 12 weeks there every summer and there were loads of kids on the, on the site. But there was an, an old chap, an ex-World War II veteran who used to take all the young kids off on these long hikes. We loved them because he would use all the militaristic terminology. We would set up bivouacs, we would reconnoiter places. It was all that and it seemed great fun to us who grew up in that era. One day he decided we were going to go on a particularly long hike and we would be following along the banks of a river. And he did tell us at the point that at one point we would need to cross the river and that would involve wading across. Now this river was incredibly deep and fast flowing and we were all just boys all around the ages of between I would estimate 11 and 13 and we were constantly saying to each other and to him how are we going to get across this fast flowing river we'll die we'll drown we kept asking him how how are we going to cross this river finally we were so unsettled that we got together a little group who were brave enough and we and two other myself and two other guys went up together and we almost demanded to know how we would cross this river. His reply was really simple. He said, Don't worry about crossing the river. We won't worry about crossing the river until we actually cross the river. Now, by the way, a couple of miles further on, where there was a place which I no doubt knew he knew about, where the river became very wide and shallow and slow-moving, with lots of large rocks and boulder and we easily crossed that river the river at that point without even needing to get wet if only we had known what Christ told us here when he said therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself okay that's it for today I do hope you found that helpful Now, I did say at the start, if you were new here for the first time, well, of course, you're very welcome. And why not take a minute to click and subscribe and make sure you don't miss another episode. Now, wherever you're getting your podcast from, there should be an episode notes page. If there's not, you can go direct to the podcast website, where it's hosted on thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com, and there'll be episode notes and st- other stuff in there. But within the episode notes, whether it's contained there or within your pod, the place that you get your podcast from, you'll find some links. Links to ways in which you can connect to the ministry and also lots of other teaching resources, all freely available for you. All in the public domain, all at no cost, all copyright free for you to use for yourself in whatever way, your own personal study 
or for the preparation of study for others. Please take them with my blessing and use them in whichever way you can. A link to this podcast is always appreciated, but it's not compulsory. I'm happy and trust that the Lord will bless you in their use. But as well as that, you'll also find links to ways in which you can connect to other more, how shall I say, structured discipleship-like courses that I tend to post in places like LinkedIn and Patreon. Still freely available, but more formal in content. So go and have a look at those, and by all means, use them if you think they would be helpful. But also you'll find within the episode notes page a link to this transcript. Each and every one of these podcasts, I make a transcript of approximate transcript of what I've said in the actual podcast. And they're available whether it be for today or all the way back to episode one. You'll also find links to places like the Facebook page where we exist as a community and the YouTube channel, which is fast becoming the place where the long-term archive of these audio files will be held. As we're approaching way over 400 episodes now, it's getting more and more difficult for people to find particular passages or themes by just scrolling through a list of episodes. So the YouTube channel will be the place where we can create playlists, where we can sort teaching and put it in playlists by theme and by book of the Bible. So I think it's already helpful at the moment, but it'll get more and more helpful as the size and the breadth of this ministry increases. Anyway, having said all that, the most important thing I want to say is thank you so much for becoming part of this community, this amazing group of people who've made the commitment to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of their daily lives. You've joined a community of people across 154 countries worldwide. So I do hope I'll see you back here again tomorrow and we'll carry on doing this together tomorrow and every day that the Lord gives us to do that. So other than that, I'll just say bye now from the Bible Project Daily Podcast.